the Go-Go's. Charlotte Caffey, Gina Schock, Jane Weedland, Kathy Valentine, and Belinda Carlisle, the greatest all-girl group of all time, the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's! The Go-Go's! Welcome to the Spooky Electric Podcast by me, Trent Venegas. You need another podcast like you need another hole in your head. So here we go. Okay, for this week's episode of Spooky Electric, I've decided to talk about the greatest all-female band of all time, the Go-Go's. I have been a fan of the Go-Go's. I want to say from the beginning, but I was very, very, very young. I was like a tiny little kid when the Go-Go's came out. So I can't be 100% certain if I remember listening to them on the radio when they were on the radio in the very, very, very early 80s. But I absolutely remember hearing them on the radio, seeing them on MTV. The music video for Our Lips Are Sealed is one of the first videos I remember um, and that I love. I still love to this day. I remember watching that video on MTV And in the video, uh, the girls are driving around L.A. and they're just singing in the, you know, in the convertible car and they're stopping at different locations around town, including Trashy Lingerie on La Cienega, which is still in existence today. Every time I pass Trashy Lingerie or I walk by it and take pictures in front of their fun window display, I always think about that Go-Go's video because it's such a distinctive part of the video and it was when I was little and I remember just wanting to live in LA and that was um, one of the things I would look toward and say, that's LA, that's where I want to be, the palm trees, the sun, and all of the fun that just that LA looked like from a music video like the Go-Go's. So... I do say that I'm a Go-Go's fan from the beginning, but from the beginning of my, like, history, like, being alive, like, being alive and aware of music, that's how long I've been a fan of the Go-Go's. Um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about for the Go-Go's, and honestly, you know, a band that's been around for 40 years... Um, And honestly, you know, I could go on and on and on. But the real reason why I was inspired to do this episode on the Go-Go's at this time is because last weekend, uh, Showtime premiered a documentary titled The Go-Go's, which talks about the band from the very beginning up until, like, now. And, you know, I haven't really seen a lot of of this kind of archival footage of the Go-Go's. I mean, I remember seeing their their interviews on MTV and throughout the years when they've made, um, when they've gone on tour for reunion shows or they've released new music in the past 10 to 20 years. um, I, you know, I have seen those interviews, but this documentary is probably the best 
um, thing you could see about the band overall. It includes interviews with the um, original members of the band who are no who were no longer. Um, <clears throat> so Belinda, Jane, Charlotte, Kathy, and Gina, they are the original five of the Go Go's, but. The band did have an original drummer before Gina and an original bassist before Kathy. And um, these women are included in the documentary. Um, so I'll, and I'll get to that in, in a minute. Um, geez. My personal, okay, so I have like a few go-go stories. Um, but the two that I kind of just want to talk about are um, the first Go-Go show I ever saw. So the first time I ever saw the Go-Go's in concert was on Friday, July 13th, 2001 at the Royal Oak Music, Music Theater. At this point in their career, it was well, 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 like they were like 20 years from like the 80s. And they had, I think they had released either God Bless the Go-Go's or Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's. They released like new records in, in the 90s and 2000s. So I think God Bless the Go-Go's was in the 90s and then um, Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's was like a compilation album that had like live music and uh, a new song. And they were either on tour to support that record or they were just on a reunion tour. Um, I don't remember who was not in the band at the time, but I do believe that one of the one of the members was not in the band. It could have been Gina, it could have been Kathy, it could have been Charlotte. Um, but I'm fairly certain Belinda and Jane were in the band at that time. And the fact that they were playing the Royal Oak Music Theater, which is a smallish, medium-sized venue in the Detroit area, um, leads me to, to, to think that it was like a smaller reunion tour. The last time that I saw the Go-Go's was on Wednesday, August 17th, 2011 at the Greek Theater. This was a tour where the, where the original members, so all five of the original members of the Go-Go's were uh, on a retirement tour. They had decided that they were going to play their last shows ever, 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 and never play again. But as with many bands who have been around for 10, 20, 30 40 years, they tend to say that often. And thankfully, the Go-Go's did not retire. But when I saw that show on August 17th, 2011, it was, at the time, the last Go-Go's show ever. They had ended the tour here in Los Angeles, and that show at the Greek was the last Go-Go's show ever. And I remember distinctly just savoring and just being in the moment at that show because it was the last Go-Go show ever. I had um, splurged for the ultimate VIP tickets. Um, so me and my ex at the time got two tickets. We were in the pit, so up front, front row for the Go-Go's. And we got a meet and greet with the women backstage before the show. So I have an amazing photo with all five of the Go-Go's. I'm like sitting on a chair next to Belinda and like the rest of the Go-Go's are surrounding behind me. I love that photo so much. I will for sure post it on the Instagram so you can see. And um, 
my ex and I had our, our concert tickets signed by all five of the Go-Go's. So I have both tickets um, still in my concert ticket photo album. Uh, I One of the tickets, the, the women signed on the front of the ticket, and then on the other, the other ticket, they signed on the back of the ticket. So in my album, I have both tickets, you know, in the sleeve with the autographs facing out, showing the front of the ticket and the back of the ticket. So, so cool. Okay, so that's kind of like the personal stories I want to talk about um, for this episode. But really, my goal for this episode is to not talk too much, to talk just a little bit, and in in the hopes of inspiring you to go out and watch this documentary right now. If you can watch it right now, watch it right now. If you can watch it tonight or, you know, record it on your DVR and watch it this weekend, please watch this documentary because it is hugely important for old fans, new fans, people who don't even really know about the Go-Go's to learn about the greatest all-female band of all time. So before I talk about, before I talk a little bit about the documentary itself, I'm going to play the trailer um, that will hopefully further entice you. So have a listen now. The greatest all-girl group of all time, the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's. The Go-Go's. We are the first all-girl band that wrote their own material and played their own instruments to be really successful. In the course of a year, we had gone from playing dive bars to Madison Square Garden. There never would have been the Go-Go's without the punk rock scene in Los Angeles. Anybody could do whatever they wanted. It was total freedom. The punk scene allowed you to be whoever you wanted to be, play the way you wanted to play, and you were accepted. People used to cross the street when they saw me. I felt powerful for the first time. When they asked, hey, do you play lead guitar? I figured I played bass, so... Yeah, it's a couple more strings. It'll be okay. Their set was three songs long, and two of them were the same song. We were pretty crappy in the beginning, but we had these songs that were just coming together. Oh my God, this is going to be huge. Where's the Go-Go's? We got the beat. I couldn't walk down the street. That's how famous the Go-Go's were. People would freak out when we played. They just created something that exploded on the stage. The success, uh, how has it affected your life? We're aware of how well we're doing, but we don't feel feel it. Yeah, not yet. It's just too much. It's an overload on the brain right now. The fighting and the real drugs happen when we all get money. We didn't communicate. And then when we did communicate, we didn't do it in a respectful way. I started feeling very concerned about our future. There's a lot of karmic ties in this band. Just the fact that we've been in each other's lives for so many years, it has to be to work out something. are a family, that's just what it is. You still all just get along as friends? Yeah. <laughs> Girls are, are up to us and say, oh, you know, we started a band because of you, and uh, that's probably the best feeling in the world.
So, yeah, I mean, doesn't that sound cool? It's it's really, really well done. It is, uh, I love it. Um, the The documentary came out last weekend on Friday, and I knew it was coming out, but I didn't watch it that night uh, because I don't, I didn't at the time currently subscribe to Showtime. I ended up signing up for a uh, 30, 30 day free trial because I had to watch this documentary. So I believe last Sunday is when I finally was like, all right, let me sign up for Showtime again and let me watch this doc. And I have watched it twice already in like a week and I this is a documentary that I, I think I will watch over and over and over again because it's just inspirational and it's just fucking cool all the archival photos and videos and interviews from that time from like 1979 through the mid 80s when the band first broke up I mean that stuff is priceless and it's all beautifully packaged together so let me talk a little bit about the documentary itself um, without giving too much away, but I do want to hit, hit some of the points that they talk about in the doc. And when you watch the documentary, you'll see um, these things obviously fleshed out, interviews with all of the women. And um, yeah, I mean, like, if, if you don't fall in love either all over again or for the first time with the Go-Go's after watching this, I don't know what to tell you because this band is fucking iconic, legendary, the best. Okay, so um, one of the things I really love about the doc is that it's directed by a woman named Alison Elwood, which, of course, it would have a female director because, I mean, if the Go-Go's are known for anything outside of their pop-perfect songs... It is that they are the first and only all-female band to write, produce, uh, and perform a number one album. So they wrote every single song on their debut album, Beauty and the Beat, and they had number one songs from that album. And they are the only all-female band with no help from any men whatsoever to achieve this accomplishment, which is insane to me. It is insane to me that we are now in 2020 and there's been no female band to ever emulate what the Go-Go's have done with their debut album. It's crazy. So of course they would have hired um, a woman to direct their documentary and Alison Elwood did a fucking fantastic job. Um, the first scene of the Go-Go's that we see of this archival footage is from 1979. And it really shows um, the Go-Go's as like young baby punks. And a lot of people who know the Go-Go's as like this, you know, perfect pop band. I don't think that a lot of them realize that they started out as a punk band and they were like a dirty punk band. Like, you know, fucked up haircuts and like really garish makeup. Belinda wore like a trash bag as a dress. You know, she styled it with a belt and with some, you know, ripped up um, tights and like spiked heels. But, you know, I mean, to make it look cool, but they were really punks. And um, the LA punk scene was, was very different from the New York punk scene and the London punk scene. So punk kind of started in London and it was dirty, grimy, and all of that. 
and then um, it kind of grew in New York and was dirty, grimy, and I would argue a little cooler, like Blondie and all of that. And then on the West Coast here in Southern California, the LA punk scene was small. It was like 50 kids total, they talk about. Like 50 kids in all of Los Angeles. Like that was, that. those were all the punks. So they all knew one another. They would see each other at punk shows and underground parties. And, um, you know, if you were terrible, you were cooler. They had total freedom to play whatever they wanted to sound as shitty as they wanted. And the shittier you sounded, the cooler you were. Um... Alyssa Bello was the original drummer of the Go-Go's and Margot Alvaria was the original bassist. Um, and then Charlotte Caffey, uh, the original lead guitarist and founding member and still in the Go-Go's now. Jane Weedlin um, was originally the rhythm guitarist, um, founding member and still in the band now. And Belinda Carlisle, the original lead singer, founding member, and still in the band now. So Charlotte, Jane, and Belinda are the core original members of the Go-Go's from day one. Um, Jane talks a little bit about how she was depressed at that time, like she was like 19 or whatever. She was depressed and suicidal. And it wasn't until she found the punk scene that she really felt um, at peace with herself. And she credits the LA punk scene with saving her life. Um, it also touches on Belinda um, growing up as like a, a cheerleader. And there's all these pictures of Belinda Carlisle in high school wearing like her cheerleading outfit. And she looked like little girl next door. Um, but, you know, all that changed when she became a punk and, you know, she dyed her blonde hair black and she just became like this punk. And the one thing that the doc does not focus on that I have heard the women talk about in previous interviews is about how sexually free they were. Like they were in a band and they had male groupies and they would like screw these guys all the time. Like they would have guys just doing whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, 24 seven, when they were on the road or after they played shows. And I always loved that story about the Go-Go's because you always hear about this debauchery from like, you know, guy bands, like Def Leppard are legendary for like all of the female groupies that they bedded like all through all their career. And one, you really don't hear about these stories from female bands because there aren't a lot of female bands. And two, um, I really feel like women feel, you know, they, they're hindered in that they can't really talk about these kinds of things because, you know, oh, they're sluts and oh, they're like whores and it's, it's all that kind of bullshit. But the women have talked previously about how they enjoyed the debauchery of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but they were the agents in control and they had all these hot guys like as their groupies doing whatever they wanted for them, to them. And I love that. I wish they had included that or just a little bit of that in this documentary. That's the one thing they never talked about in the stock. And I was waiting for it and I was like, where is it? My guess is, you know, at 
you know, the age they are now, they probably want to present a truthful story about their whole entire career. But they probably, I, my guess is someone decided to just leave that part out because, well, I'll get to why I think they left it out in, in a minute. Um, but yes, the women were punks and they were, you know, making a name for themselves playing all these um, shows here in L.A., and um, so before they became a band, the, the, the girls got together in like a van or something and they drove up to San Francisco to see the Sex Pistols play a show. And at this point, the Sex Pistols were, you know, it, this was years into the punk scene and, and the first wave of punk was kind of dying out. And the Sex Pistols gave like a slacker, like really shitty performance where they really didn't care how... The perform- they just were like, whatever. Um, Johnny Rotten, at the end of, of all of his shows at this point, would say, would scream out to the crowd, you ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Like, trying to be like, um, saying like, you know, you paid for this and we don't give a fuck and fuck you all. And yes, I know that was a terrible British accent. Please apo- please for- forgive me and accept my apologies because I can't do accents. I'm so sorry. Um, anyways, uh, so Jane you know, in an interview, she mentions that she's like, you guys were like our heroes and you sucked. And it was at that point that she realized that the first wave of punk was dying. The London punk scene was kind of dying out and it was time for new people. So Jane, Margot, Alyssa, and Belinda formed the Go-Go's. Um, the, the, their goal was they kind of wanted to be like the Shirelles. They really took inspiration from the girl groups of the 60s, but they wanted to play their own instruments. All those girl groups were put together by men. They, they, they performed songs that were written by other people, and they really didn't have ownership. They were, they were just the performers, and there were, there were people, men mostly, behind the scenes pulling the strings. They wanted to be a group like that, but they wanted to pull their own strings. They wanted to play their own instruments. They wanted to write their own songs. The only problem is they didn't know how to play instruments at the time. So in the beginning, the Go-Go's like sucked by their own admission. It was very DIY. They figured it out, you know, as they went along. But when it was Jane, Margot, Alyssa, and Belinda, they were, I would say, a bona fide 100% punk band in that they sucked. Um... The original name of the band, so the Go-Go's originally wanted to call themselves the Misfits. And this was obviously before the band, the Misfits, named themselves. But their original name was going to be the Misfits. But the Kinks released an album called the Misfits. And they decided not to go with that name because they didn't want to look like they were like copying the Kinks. And um, Belinda says, so we came up with the Go-Go's. It seemed to fit us which I completely agree. But it's crazy to think that the Go-Go's could have been the original Misfits. Like they could have had the Misfits name before the Misfits did. And that is just so weird to me. I, this is information I did not know before I saw this documentary. Um, they played their first show at a club called The Mask here in Los Angeles in June of 1979. And they only played three songs and one song they played twice. So technically they only played two songs. Um, and it was, quote, a big fat mess, uh, but you could sound horrible and still make music. And that what was fun, that was that what was fun for the band um, at the time when they were just getting started. They um, decided that they needed a real musician 
to help like because if they were going to do this they had to do it right so they ended up they added charlotte caffey uh to the group they asked her to join the band and she was a, a musician she knew how to play piano and write so- songs and the addition of charlotte really got the band going charlotte was in a band called the eyes and um belinda recruited her saying you know well we're an all-girl group will you join us and she 100 percent said yes so she joined the band and became the bass player this is around the time that the women, the girls met Gina Canzaroni, Canzaneri. Gina Canzaneri was the band's original manager. She is the woman responsible for helping shepherd the Go-Go's to the absolute top of the world. She, you know, I didn't really know much about their manager, Gina, until this documentary and when you see how hard this woman worked for them from the very beginning she saw the talent she saw the potential and she believed in them ten thousand percent she sacrificed her own money and 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 just everything that she had to help the go-go's reach the heights of fame and um i'm so glad that this documentary not only talks about her but features her as well because she was like the sixth member of the go-go's 100 percent um so okay so the band they're now they have charlotte they're a five-piecer and they have a manager and they really started to you know move forward as a band and this was the point when Alyssa decided that she wanted to leave Jane says that she was never really part of the band and Alyssa admits herself that she dropped out because she wouldn't quit her day job and commit to the band. So the band was really deciding that they were going to do this. This is what they were going to do 24-7. And Alyssa couldn't commit, so she quit. They found Gina Shock to replace Alyssa as the drummer. Gina was from Baltimore, Maryland, and she drove cross-country to Los Angeles with $2,000 and two grams of Coke. (laughs) She uh, is like the band's archivist. So from like 1979 until probably today, Gina was the one who took pictures and Polaroids and saved ticket stubs. And she, you know, she is the archivist of the band, Um, which is really great because the documentary shows a lot of the things that the photos that she took, Polaroids that she took and kind of the stuff that she had saved like flyers along the way. So Gina is now the drummer of the Go-Go's. And in my opinion, I consider her the original drummer for the Go-Go's. Alyssa, I'm sure an amazing woman, and I'm sure she was really great at the time, but the Go-Go's were not the Go-Go's until Gina Shock joined as the drummer. So to me, Gina is the original drummer. Um, Gina tells a cute little story about she and Jane Weedlin were a couple. They were a little lesbian couple when she joined originally, which is crazy. This is also new information that I did not know before this documentary. Um, it was a small relationship and Gina says, Jane ended up breaking up with, ended up breaking up with me. And then she laughs. So, you know, they talk about like, there was no drama that be- after the breakup, but and they probably were together for like five seconds. But how amazing is it to know that Gina Shock and Jane Weedlin were a cute little lesbian couple 
all those years ago. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. Um, there's a part where Charlotte talks about how she was watching The Twilight Zone, just hanging out by herself, and she had always written songs, and the music for We Got the Beat just came to her. It just, she's watching TV, and the beat just came to her. She pulls out a tape, and then she, like, records, like, the, the beat, and then wrote the lyrics, and ended up writing the musical seed that would, that would, um, grow into what the Go-Go's would become and forever be. We Got the Beat goes all the way back to 1979 and just came as inspiration from the goddess, I'm convinced, was planted into Charlotte Caffey's brain. She brought it into the world, passed it on to the Go-Go's, and it, it, it's the seed that, that started it all like one of the greatest pop songs of all time, in my opinion. Um, It was so poppy, she was afraid that the girls would hate it because remember, they're a punk band and they loved it. They loved it. And rightly so, because it's it's a fantastic song. The Go-Go's at the time were the house band for the Whiskey A Go-Go, which is a very famous club here in LA. Doors used to play there. They were the house band, I believe, in the 60s. But the Go-Go's were the house band here. Um, And then um, ska, punk bands, Madness and the Specials came to L.A., played at the Whiskey. The Go-Go's opened for them. They were impressed with the Go-Go's, and they decided to take the girls with them back to Europe and to take them on their first tour. And they went. Uh, Their manager, Gina, sold everything she owned. She sold her car. She sold her jewelry to fund... To, to, to fund this tour so that the girls could go to Europe and tour with these huge-ass bands, Madness and the Specials, and just, you know, like, they were doing it. They were being a band. And they talk about how this tour was hard for them because they were playing for all these skinheads because, the you know, the, the UK punk scene was much harder than the kids here in L.A. Uh, they were skinheads and and, you know white supremacists and just like assholes like you know they spit at the girls and threw bottles at the girls and threw lit cigarettes at them and it was a tough grueling tour but the girls talk about how much they loved every single second of it uh they were they they were trying to find like a label to release like a single because they wanted to have a single like out on the radio and they approached a record label who offered to put out their single but the record label wanted to own the publishing rights to We Got the Beat. And thankfully, 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 ugh, their manager, Gina, knew, either instinctfully or just some advice that she knew, never to sell music publishing rights to anyone. And even though, you know, this record label probably told them, well, we're not going to release your single, they stuck to their guns and they held on to the publishing rights. And thankfully... The, the single got released, uh, the band and Charlotte, who wrote the song, held on to the music, music publishing rights, and that is what's made them multi, multi, multi-millionaires to this day. Now, the whole thing about the publishing becomes an issue later on in the Go-Go story, but thankfully, from the very beginning, the women were smart enough to hang on to their publishing rights, and all of the hit songs that, that still make money today 
all that money goes into their pockets because they're the ones that wrote the songs, which is just a genius. So anyways, while on tour, the goes exploded and they were on the radio here in L.A. So, you know, the, the all, all the punk, like everyone in L.A. loved the Go-Go's, but they were like a small, tiny L.A. band. And then they're off touring in Europe, blowing up, playing for these big bands, and their legend grew here in L.A. So at the end of the tour, after the release of their first single and this successful tour in the U.K., they returned home as heroes. The Their popularity went from two to like 5,000 after they returned home from this tour. Um, And even still, no labels, no labels would give them a rocker contract. Um, Their manager, Gina, talks about how that she got rejection letter, rejection letter, rejection letter after rejection letter, all saying girl bands don't sell. And because you're women, we don't believe that you uh, will be successful and we're not going to give you a record contract, which is bullshit. I mean, that stuff still happens today. I'm convinced. But back then, of course, of course, because that's just how shitty things were and unfortunately still are. Um, so they came back, you know, we got the beat, big hit. Um, and then, uh, Jane wrote, our lips are sealed. So Charlotte wrote, we got the beat. And then Jane, after returning from that UK tour, wrote, our lips are sealed, which is just as good and just as loved as We Got the Beat. So We Got the Beat and Our Lips Are Sealed are the two greatest go-go songs of all time and two of the greatest pop songs of all time. So Jane wrote that song. And, you know, now, now you know, the punk band Go-Go's have two fairly pop songs in their repertoire. And everybody loved the songs except for Margot. The vibe of the band was changing. Margot didn't like it. She actually, quote, fucking hated it. Because her identity was punk, she was so absorbed into the punk scene that she kind of felt like um, she was pulling away from the rest of the girls. She didn't like that they were being packaged into a product. Um, To her, it was, quote, less about art and more about money. And then Gina shot counters with saying, well, if you're not in a fucking band to make money, what what are you in a fucking band for? Like, either you know, we're going to go or we're not going to go. Either you're in or you're out. So this is the point where... um, the band decided to get rid of Margot. And, you know, they talk, you know, in the documentary, it's just like, okay, so the way that it's, it plays out is the band is going to play some a New Year's Eve show at the Whiskey, and Margot got sick, so she couldn't play the band. And, you know, the band found Kathy Valentine. Um, Charlotte asked her if she knew how to play bass, and Kathy lied and said that she did. And then Kathy spent three days coke binging and teaching herself how to play bass, listening to a tape of songs that Charlotte gave her. So, I mean, this is probably my favorite part in the documentary. Um, You know, Charlotte knew how to play, I'm sorry, Kathy knew how to play guitar, but she did not know how to play bass. And she's like, how hard can it be? So what she ended up doing was, first, she listened to the music over and over and over again and learned how to play the songs on guitar. And then from the guitar part that she taught herself, she picked out the bass parts that she could hear in the tape or she made up on her own. And over three days, binging on cocaine, she taught herself how to play all of their songs on the bass guitar, which she did not know how to play three days before. 
just amazing. Like the level of talent and drive that these women, all of these women have is stellar, unmatched by most every other band in existence today. And just further drives home the fact of why A, they're the greatest all-female band of all time, and B, you have to watch this fucking documentary and and learn about them. Or or at least, you know, be reinforced by how great they are, because they are amazing. Just amazing, amazing musicians. Um so anyways, okay, so Charlotte learns the, the to to play the bass, she learns the, the, the band songs. And then she plays this New Year's Eve show with the band and they decide that she's going to be their new bassist. Um, you know, and you'll see in, in the doc that they ended up deciding to fire Margot. The, the band didn't want to do it. They made Gina, their manager, do it. And I think this is the part of the documentary I, I do not like the most. I mean, it sucks to see a member get kicked out of a band. Um, but... Truth be told, these things happen, and it could happen in any band. Ultimately, if one bad member is not gelling with everyone else, they're going to get cut. And if the one band member in the Go-Go's who wanted to be punk, 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 and was not feeling the vibe of the more poppy route that the, the, uh, the rest of the band was going, you know, it sounds like she didn't want to be in the band anyway. Of course she didn't want to be kicked out. And of course, she's still angry. I don't know if she's still angry, but in the documentary, it's clear that she was very angry at the time, very hurt at the time. And um, my guess is there's been reconciliation since then, but that's unclear. But ultimately, um, Margo's out, Kathy is in, and at last, the Go-Go's are whole. IRS Records finally saw the potential and decided to sign the band um, gave them their first record contract. They released uh, Beauty and the Beat. Uh, the album went to number one. Um, their songs, I believe Our Lips Are Sealed, went to number one. And they became the most successful all-female band of all time. So that's like the gist of of the band's history. More than the gist. I, I've already talked for longer than I thought I was going to. Um, but that is the band's history up until they released their record. And you have to watch the documentary to to see and hear the rest. Um, you know, elsewhere in the doc, they talk about uh, Charlotte is very um, honest about her crazy drug addiction. She was a heroin addict. The fact that it didn't kill her is astounding, especially considering... Um, how hard the band was working while she was, you know, doing drugs. Um, the band talks about all of the things that led up to the uh, breakup of the band. And it ultimately came down to money and publishing rights and who was making more money than other people in the band and why. Um... And they talk about um, the ousting of Gina as their manager, which is also a part of the, the documentary I don't really love. I mean, it's honest, but you'll have to watch the documentary to see how that plays out. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about uh, before I talk about the playlist that I put together for this, this episode is that um, it is my opinion that it is a travesty beyond travesties that the Go-Go's have not 
been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The greatest all-female band of all time. Why are they not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It is is criminal. It is absolutely fucking criminal. I talk about this all the time. Every time that the Rock Hall um, announces its nominees and the Go-Go's are not listed, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Like, it just, it pisses me off. And I'm not going to get all mad, but it really pisses me off. It is my opinion, and they talk about that in this documentary. It is my opinion that not only is this documentary meant to tell the story of the Go-Go's, but I also think it's a little bit of a push to put, to bring the band into the, you know, the, the talk of the day, like into 40 years after the, the creation of the band. Let's talk about the Go-Go's again. Let's celebrate the Go-Go's again. Let's talk about how incredible they are as musicians and as a band. And let's get them into the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So my guess is that this documentary is a little bit of, of a push for that to happen. And I really, really hope it happens because, you know, it's, it's just insane. It's, I think about it, it's crazy. It's crazy to me that the greatest band, the greatest female band of all time is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it just, oh, I'm like squeezing my head right now. But okay, I'm not going to go on and on and on. But that is what I think the 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 documentary is also trying to achieve with its release. So let me round out this episode because like I said, I want you to go watch this documentary, hopefully right now. Um, uh, the playlist that I put together uh, is 15 songs. Uh, it could have been, you know, 50 songs, but it's 15 songs. Um, and it includes songs from all of their records, uh, Beauty and the Beat, um, uh, Vacation, uh, and in- it includes, okay, so like their hit singles, We Got the Beat, um, Our Lips Are Sealed, This Town, uh, Vacation, Cool Jerk, Head Over Heels. I've also included um, Unforgiven from God Bless the Go-Go's, which was the record that they released in the 90s. And then I rele- I included uh, The Whole World Lost Its Head from Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's, which is that compilation record that came out um, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it also features a bunch of live tracks from the band from the early days including their cover of Johnny Are You Queer which is one of my favorite punk songs and the fact that the Go-Go's performed it live and it's on this um compilation is I always love that so I've included that into the playlist and um the band has gotten together and written a brand new song called Club Zero which they released on the day that the uh documentary was released and that is the last song on the playlist to round out this Go-Go's playlist. So from the their first single and first record to their most recent single written this year, this playlist encomp- encompasses all the songs in between that I love and I hope you love too. So it is on Spotify as usual. So you can search for me, Trent Venegas. And in the folder for Spooky Electric, you will see uh, the playlist for this episode, which is in celebration of the Go-Go's. So, okay, that's all I have for you. This is a shorter episode because please, 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 
use the time that you would be listening to me ramble on um, to go watch this documentary on Showtime. You can get a free subscription for seven days or for 30 days, however you figure it out. Um, There are other ways to get your hands on this documentary, I'm sure. Um, But you have to check it out because as I keep saying, the Go-Go's is the greatest all-female band of all time. And they deserve to be celebrated, loved, and lauded for all time. So go watch the documentary and listen to this playlist. And then listen to the rest of their music and fall in love with them for the first time all over again or again and again and again because the Go-Go's are everything. I will come back at you next time with a new episode. So until then, go listen to the Go-Go's, go watch the documentary. Okay, I'm out. Bye. Each episode of Spooky Electric has a playlist that I have created for each individual episode. The playlist can be found on my Spotify account, Trent Venegas, in the playlist folder titled Spooky Electric. The playlist track listings are listed on the Spooky Electric Instagram at Spooky Electric, where the O's are zeros. S-P-0-0-K-Y-E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C. Thank you.